the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, oh, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. W.H. Weiskarper, a recent guest on the show, has pledged 50% of the proceeds from his book Twilight of Empire from sales between October 1st and October 31st to support the Tom Sumner program. W.H. Weiskarper, a former National Security Advisor and counsel for the U.S. Senate Armed Services Committee, pulls no punches, fusing history with political intrigue in Twilight of Empire, the third of four planned novels in the Resurrection Saga series. W.H. Carver's book, Twilight of Empire, shows that the U.S. has all the wealth, science, and resources to solve every issue we face today. Twilight of Empire by W.H. Carver is available on Amazon and Apple Books. For more information and to support the Tom Sumner program, visit whyscarver.com. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program, and uh, my, well, let's see, I think that's my guest this hour. Let's try this again and see if we can get it transferred. Nope. Yeah, I'm having some uh, technical difficulties with the show today, and uh, let's see, I... Uh, Shashin, I'm having a little trouble. Stand by for just a moment. Let me see if I can let me see if I can get this corrected. All right. I've been having uh, technical difficulties today, Shashin. Seems like everybody has it. You and Zuckerberg and everybody else. Yeah, I know, right? Well, I'm gonna try the transfer one more time. Stand by. Okay. And that didn't work.
Jasheen, are you still with me? I'm with you. Okay, we're gonna try. We're gonna do this a little different this today. Uh, okay, for everybody listening in, this is a little inside baseball, but uh, I've been having some uh, trouble with my internet phone system, and. Um, but we're going to carry on. Welcome back, everybody. This is the third half of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. And we're going to shift gears and talk with, uh, and uh, well, he's the CEO of Coherent Strategies Consulting and Coaching and the author of a new book called The Kid and the King. His name is Shashin Shah, and he joins me by phone. Hi, Shashin. Welcome to the show. Hey, Tom. How are you? Great to be with you. Um, well, aside from being a little frazzled over technology, and you know what I say about technology, it's great when it works. <laughs> but Shashin, let me ask you about this title, The Kid yeah. and the King. And this sounds like it's going to be, you know, a fantasy novel or, or something like The Prince <laughs> and the Pauper. I think I got you there. It, it is kind of like a fantasy novel, but it's a fantasy novel of our lives as, as human beings. It was, a, uh, it was a way of me trying to make sense of uh, the novel that was called My Life and trying to understand this, this, really answer the question. It could have been called Why Do Really Smart People Do Dumb Things? And uh, <laughs> it was just my attempt at trying to explain the phenomenon of, you know, myself, the clients, people that I knew that were extremely bright, very capable, um, you know, had incredible educations, had gone on to achieve extraordinary things, um, with all the right stuff, still acting out and behaving in ways that ran counter to who they said that they were. And, you know, the subtitle is The Hidden Inner Struggle High Achievers Must Conquer to Reignite and Reengage with Life. So that's really what the basis of the book was. And when you talk about high achievers, of course, you've worked one-on-one -on -one with uh, top executives from companies like Tesla, Hewlett-Packard, IBM, and so on. Um, yep. And, and uh, the fact that there are some tech firms listed in there, I, I'm going to avoid... Uh, asking you to tell him to fix my technology but <laughs> you and me both <laughs> but but let me ask you about that because one of the things that the book talks about is you've got these people in very high positions of leadership but then they're also wrestling with the with their inner child sort of and and you sort of explore that how you have these two different influences and most of us think of of these these uh top executives as as being somewhat soulless and and only about the bottom line and having a lack of compassion and you say no that's not true they wrestle with these things all the time oh i mean there's so much in there to unpack i mean yeah it is very well put it well i wanted to give you something Shashin, I wanted to give you something to work with. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's, I think every single one of these people, you know, it's interesting, right? So the, the clients that'll find me at the, 
uh, along their journey are typically referred in. And one of the characteristics that you I will hear all the time is that they often feel very alone, very misunderstood. Um, they're the last to know about the crisis, and and they're honestly confused. And 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 the journey that I find most people on is typically in this transition from what I would call an individual, you know, an individual achiever who has um, done an extreme, they're wicked smart in whatever way, they have got skill sets, they've got an ability to perform, they're, they're individual performers, and then they go into leadership positions, and it's no wonder why every, you know, kind of corporate America, any large company will have executive coaching um, as title changes, right, you find it you know, from the big, you know, credit suites and some of the big banks that, you know, as soon as you have a title increase, you have executive coaching. And really what they're trying to address is how do you transition from individual achiever to a leader? Now, individual achievers are interesting. So the premise of the book is that most people that I've seen and myself included in that list are coming from one of two places. And, and the presumption of the book is, that we underestimate the extent to which our childhood past, our past experiences are influencing who we are today. So let's just take the individual achiever just as kind of a, as an avatar. They're usually coming from two places. I've got, you know, clients that were good boys and good girls, I'll call them, right? They were very dutiful and they, you know, came from their communities and they went to school and they got good grades and they were, you know, they, they made the list and they... They did their extracurricular. They went on to, you know, an Ivy League school or a good school and, you know, got out and got a graduate degree. And they followed a path that was kind of the socially acceptable and, you know, way to kind of go about doing things. And they they won that game. And in, in being dutiful and being that good boy and good girl, there's nothing wrong with any of that. But the fuel that was underlying their journey was a, I'm going to stay in the right lane. And if that's all that's there, what happens is, in being a good boy and a good girl along the way, somehow they lose themselves. It's, it, it's an external manifestation of what society has said, which, you know, this is what you do when you're that way. The other side of that profile is another type that's, typically like the rebel, that they never, you know, they never had uh, what others had, or they were told that they couldn't, and they've gone out in the world and they said, I'll show you. And they go out there and they show the world that they are good enough, smart enough, lovable, They're, they are smart, and they can achieve things, and they will achieve results. Both strategies are super effective in delivering the quote-unquote results and the, 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 the idea of success. But what we find is that when you get into your 30s, your 40s, and even into your 50s and later, that that same fuel runs out. That being a good boy and a good girl doesn't work anymore. Being a rebel is exhausting. It's just tiring. And whether it's boundary issues, whether it's relationship issues, it, it, there's, there's a whole host of other things that come with that fuel, I would argue, that people then start looking and asking, like, is this it? Is, I, I thought I was supposed to be, I, I, it should feel a lot better right now. And, you know, one of the taglines is like, I want you to feel as good as your LinkedIn profile looks right now. And a lot of times it's a mismatch. And so that's what the book tries to address. 
Well, let me let me ask you this, Shashin. Um, what is it about top executives that enables them to conquer those things, to achieve the things that they achieve? I, you know, I think that, you know, again, we're speaking in really broad generalizations now, right? Well, of but course. I would arguably say that the kind of the way of the high achiever has been one of, I think there's just some people that are extremely good at suppressing that side of us, which I characterize as the kid in the book, that they have learned um, a way of, of when those parts come up, when the fear, insecurity, uh, when self-doubt, when anxiety, when worry, all things that are common to all human beings come up, their adapted strategy in the world has been some form of suppression. And if you look at today's world, and I think this was, you know, one of the major reasons why I wrote the book, was that there is this presumption that, or and, and there is kind of this philosophy that when you're up against challenges, the way to handle it is to crush it, to conquer it, to 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 overcome it, to to it, there's there's we almost have this adversarial relationship with ourselves when we have that discomfort we crush that side and so what I would say is that what so many um, I think all of us to some degree have had this relationship with ourselves where. Oh gosh, we're gonna procrastinate. You know what? I'm gonna discipline myself. I'm gonna focus. I'm gonna get my wife. I'm gonna get my husband. I'm gonna get a coach to remind me to do things. I'm gonna set reminders. We're we're life hacking our way into achievement because there is this inherent duality. There is this part of us. You know, I've got Harvard, you know, PhDs that can't seem to make my call on time, and I'm like, how hard is that to do? But you you know, you set it in your calendar, but it just escapes him, right? Or you know, there's people that, you know, have, have graduated with these degrees that are wicked smart, but will we'll still, you know, take on these addictive behaviors or will still have these emotional tantrums. And so what, what I've continued to see is that there is this confusion of a strategy that apparently works in some areas of people's lives, like, okay, I'll lose the weight or... I'll, I'll, I'll run up this ladder and ring that bell and I'll focus and discipline myself and put more focus and discipline on myself to make that happen, it works. That's the hard part. It does work. And I would say that a lot of the people that find themselves in that high achievement place have done that effectively. Shashine, and Yeah, go ahead. I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I have to take a short break here. Can you stick around yeah. for a few minutes so we Please. can talk some Absolutely. more? Absolutely. Okay, my guest is Shashin Shah. He is the author of a uh, book called The Kid and the King. If you're listening to us on WFOV 92.1 LPFM in Flint, they are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my friend Paul Herring. We're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. There's lots more straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner.
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Sterling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Hello. Speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection.
Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue now with our conversation uh, about this uh, this new book, The Kid and the King, um, where it explores an inherent duality within the human psyche, one that seeks to protect and operates from fear, or the kid, and the other that knows no bounds, the king or queen. This all put together by CEO of uh, Coherent Strategies Consulting and Coaching in, in his uh, book, The Kid and the King. He joins me by phone, Shashin Shah. Shashin, welcome back, um, and, and thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. Oh, yeah, not a problem. It's great to be here, Tom. Um, just before the, the break, we were talking about how uh, high achievers overcome their, their fears to conquer and, and to achieve. And, and and you mentioned something about their complaints, and, and I thought of that old phrase, it's lonely at the top. <laughs> it sure is, yeah. Um, when, when we think about that, um, money can't buy happiness, um, yep. you know, careful what you wish for, all of these cautionary tales about basically expecting your happiness to come out of achievement. Is that inherently wrong? No, I think that I think that the achievement part is the exciting part of life, right? I mean that the idea of having something that you're excited about and I'm gonna say that again, something that you're excited about and going after it, I think is the is the real joy of life. Arguably, what I would say is that, I know myself in that list, no one asked me when I was younger, what brings me the most joy? What, what, what would make me happiest, right? The, the pathways towards achievement in, again, in broad strokes, have been fairly, you know, they've been outlined in particular ways. There's tracks, there's lanes, there's, there's kind of societal norms, and they're arguably restrictive in a lot of ways. That like you go out and you get an education, and then you go get, right, like there's, this, there's, there's a certain pathway, and at least for me and many others that I've had an opportunity to speak to, Somehow that excitement about what we want gets lost, and what we want end, ends up being something akin to what society actually says it's good. It, you know, if I do this and I get praised, then it's good. It's, it's a lot of external measurements of what it is that makes people happy. So I think it is all about achievement. The, the book asks one to consider that... I would argue the three hardest questions to answer for any human being honestly are what do you want, why do you want it, and what are you willing to do to get it? And, you know, it's interesting when we look at this kind of achievement-based happiness, I call it like destination living, like some, at some point when we get here, 
well, we're going to be happy. It'll, and then, you know, happy then goes, well, I'll be free. I'll be, you know, more relaxed. Um, I'll be, you know, I feel like I've accomplished something. I'll feel all of these things and ultimately feel at peace. Well, you know, it's interesting to know that, like, the young 21-year-old starting off just wants a job. The person that wants a job wants a raise. The person that wants a raise you know, is now like, I want a management position. The guys who are entrepreneurs who made their first million are now looking to make their billion, and the billionaires are trying to figure out how they can outdo each other, and it's a never-ending game. And we can arguably say that, hey, well, what's wrong with that? That's fine. I mean, that's the way the free, that's how it works, you know? That's how you, how you keep achieving, and you keep, you keep growing. That's what made this country great. Yes, that is all true. And I would also say without the other side of that coin of actually developing a sense of appreciation, a sense of gratitude, a sense of, of, of connection to the world in a bigger way, the experience of that journey, the experience of having that money, the experience of having that title is not a match for what you thought it might have been. And usually shows up in the quality of the relationships in our life, our spouses, our children, our parents, our co-workers, and that's where they suffer. And we, I think we've become addicted to being, we're fine. And then we've got distractions all around us, whether it's news and politics or whatever it might be. We've got all these other things to distract us from our kind of this sense of inner peace and knowing. And I know this sounds like real woo-woo stuff, but you know, the way in which I handle this in the book is, I look at it this way. At the end of the day, if you are getting triggered often by whatever, if you're ranting about politics, you're ranting about whatever it is you're ranting about, and that's your world, then I would arguably say that your experience of life is not in that childlike joy, not in that place of happiness, not in that place of excitement. It's It's been hooked. And so I think it's, the real litmus test is, is how triggered are you getting on a day-to-day -day basis? Are you a road rager? Are you getting upset at the store? Are you screaming at the TV? Are you, are you, are you, you know, upset at your wife? Are you passive-aggressive? Are you withholding love from the people? Are you just cutting people off and amputating relationships? Are you in a sense of being right about things? That's where you find yourself alone in this world, and I, and, and the book, you know, those premises, it doesn't have to be that way. When you start to understand the mechanism of how your experience, your conditioned past is influencing how you experience the world today, the book gives you an opportunity to untangle that and understand that in a particular way that then helps you gain leverage to say, gosh, I don't have to react to everything in such an intense way. I don't have to go drink. I don't have to go gamble. I don't have to shop and buy stuff. I don't have to do all of these other things that help me escape from my own reality anymore. And that's really why I wrote the book. Well, let's, let's talk about that reality a little bit. Um, yeah. The You said something that, that I, I thought was... Uh, kind of interesting about the idea of finding happiness in achievement 
does it make a difference if you have uh, your goals aligned with who you are? You were talking about external influences and measures, awards yeah. and pats on the back and all of that kind of stuff. And, and people achieve things. And then, you know, there's we, we hear people say, well, it isn't really as good as I thought it was going to be, or it didn't make me as happy as I thought it would. Is there a way to line up what makes you feel good with your goals for success? Gosh, yeah. I mean, now you're talking about the real artistry in life. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's right. I mean, my my version of it is, and again, this is, you know, in my perfect world, and the and in the in the folks that I've had the opportunity to kind of create that alignment, what it looks like. Let's see if I can articulate this clearly. I would say that in life, if you have an understanding of the the events and the circumstances that help shape you become who you are today, right? So. You know, in, in the book, there's a bunch of exercises to walk you through this. So, if, you know, let's just say, um, you know, you didn't grow up in a house full of love and compassion, and um, you didn't have uh, a lot of uh, resources available, and maybe there, you know, there was there was things in your circumstance of life. If that can somehow the that background, your past, how you were in the world. And again, you really want to take a look at, I think as each of us needs to take a look at, especially in our world divided today, the fact that we all have come from fairly unique and distinct backgrounds, all of which have informed our point of view. Well, if we can take those backgrounds and how we see the world and how we saw the world and the things that are most important to us and parlay that into some kind of expression into achievement, into gold, into making an impact, into making a difference, applying that, those ideas, those concepts, those passions, those values that were kind of brought into our experience, into our jobs, into the goals that we've set out for ourselves, I think that that provides for a life that's extremely fulfilling and, 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 very satisfying in that the context of what you're doing your day-to-day is is fueling and, and supporting a point of view that has been developed over the years and I think that that becomes an extraordinary uh, life's journey I, I was reading something um, about the about five questions that help empower individuals to choose emotions and take actions consistent with outcomes that are most important to them how important is it that we choose goals that will make us happy and not just simply successful by external standards i mean you know we, we you know you know, trying to not get too philosophical with all of this. And I mean, I think that, you know, you know, this idea that trying to find, I mean, most people now, you know, you start out your life, you have kids, you have a family, and you might be listening, it's going like, okay, that's really great, Josh, but here's my world. Okay, so 
yeah, I, I, the, the book is about being able to take a self-evaluation of where you are today. And those five questions that you're referring to, I, I call them the five questions of the, mo- the emotional mastery process. And the emotional mastery process was designed to, to just break down the experience of life in a meaningful way so that we can begin to understand what is at the root of our experience. I mean, ultimately, I really believe that all we are looking for as human beings is to have a positive experience in our life. We're just wanting to feel happy. We want to feel good. We don't want to feel badly. Okay, fine. So if we take that premise, the emotional mastery process is is designed to look at if I'm not feeling good about something, if I'm feeling triggered, if something is upsetting me, then I have an opportunity to learn something. So the five questions look like this, really simply. I have to first distinguish what did I observe, question one, as distinct from what did I conclude. So the most basic you know, way of looking at this is like just think of a thermostat in an office, right? Some people are like, it's freezing in here. Other people like, it's great in here. I live in Telluride, Colorado, and I'm wearing shorts, and I'm going to go play golf after this. There are people that have come here from Florida that will be wearing winter puppies to be on the golf course today. But (laughs) since I'm accustomed to being here, today it's sunny, it's going to be beautiful, I don't need to wear pants today. What's the truth? What I'm observing, it's going to be about 60 degrees today. What did I conclude? It's shorts weather. Well, what do other people conclude from Florida? It's 60 degrees. It's time to dress up. It's freezing out there, right? So that's a really important part of looking and understanding on how you experience the world because from what I observe to what I conclude, the third question is, well, from that conclusion, what emotional state got created with inside of me? How did I feel about that conclusion, right? So maybe the people from Florida are going like, Man, you got to be crazy. I'm not playing golf in 60 degrees. It's freezing out there. Those of us who live here in the mountains are going like, man, it's a sunny day in October. Heck yeah, let's go out there and play. It's awesome. My emotional state is one of happiness. It's joy. Maybe someone else going like, ah, I don't want to play in this kind of weather. This is horrible. Let's go back to Florida. Right? So my experience now is based on an objective, right, an objective number, 60, that has led me to a conclusion based on my past conditioning. I now have an emotional state that results from that conclusion. And then from that emotional state, I'm taking action in my life, right? And so if we think about that in, you know, in relationships, like I walk into the room and my partner says, blah, blah, blah. I conclude she's really pissed off at me or he's really pissed off at me. Then, you know, my emotional state, well, oh, my God, I get angry, too. What do I do? I take action from that emotional state, and then I get passive-aggressive, or I get defensive, or I react to that reaction. And then the fifth question is, is like, well, did my action move me closer to or farther away from my intended outcome? And what the reason why I structured it this way is, is, is really to highlight the fact that we don't actually go through life with created outcomes. And I'll say that again, we don't go through life with created outcomes. I would argue that we go through life with expectations 
of others, expectations of situations. We have our preferences, our needs, wants, and desires, and we put that into the world. And when it's not a match, we get upset. We get triggered. We, we were arguing with one another. We're reacting, and sometimes we're either blowing up or we put our tail between our legs and we walk away. So on the most fundamental and practical level, if you're not experiencing life in a place of, like, feeling happy, feeling joyful, feeling relaxed, feeling at peace, walk through the question, what did I observe? What did I conclude? How did it make me feel from that feeling? What did I do? And then ask yourself, did it move me closer to or farther away from my outcome? And if my outcome is, well, I had to protect myself or I had to defend myself or I needed to be right or any of those things, that, what I would argue, is the child inside of us. It's not the king and the queen inside of us that's operating from outcome. Most of us don't wake up every day and say, you know what, today I'm going to go out there and make deep connections with my fellow man and enjoy a beautiful day and connect with nature and really take in the fresh air and enjoy my day. Or I'm going to walk into the... Or you just imagine walking home and driving into the garage and right before you walk in the door say, you know what my outcome is? Is for my partner to feel so loved, cherished, and that, and let them know that I am the luckiest person in the world to be with them. That's my outcome. And I'm going to walk in to my house with that outcome in mind. Or if I'm an executive, I'm going to walk into my office today and make sure that everyone on my team knows how much I appreciate their hard work that they've been putting in every day. How would that change the way you show up? The Kid and the King is about that. And it's this idea that the king and queen inside of us knows how to do that, but there's this voice inside of our head that operates from fear and scarcity that gets in the way. And rather than fighting that part of ourselves, learn to understand and learn to see how predictable that little kid inside of us is. My mentor said years to me, he's like, Shashin, you're not that interesting. It's the same thing every single time. You're so predictable. Yeah, when this and this and this and this and happens, you overreact. When this and this and this and this, you get upset. When this and this and this happens, you feel happy. It's like we're like dogs trained to respond to the bone. And, and I think that the opportunity of the book is to say, can we go beyond our reactive selves? Can we have some say in how we experience the world? It's not easy. It's simple but it just takes time and time in the saddle, and that's what the book's about. Well, the name of the book is uh, The Kid and the King by Shashin Shah. And Shashin, uh, first, thank you for spending this time and sharing your thoughts with me and the listeners, and also for sharing your thoughts in your book. Um, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about and more about you, the book, your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website? I do. It's my first name. It's at Shasheen, S-H-A-S-H-E-E-N as in November. Shasheen.com is the website. At Shasheen is on Instagram or Twitter. Um, there's not a whole lot of Shasheens out there, so the likelihood is you'll stumble across me if you even get close to the spelling. And the book is called The Kid and the King, and it's on Amazon right now. 
on Kindle and paperback, and there's an audio book that's dropping at the end of the week if you need an audio book. But feel free to reach out. There's a way to contact me on the website, and uh, I love hearing from people, and I love engaging in conversations with like-minded people, so happy to connect at Shashin, S-H-A-S-H-E-E-N. And and what's next for you, Shashin? Well, you know, this, uh, you know, I, I, I really, um, I'm, I'm so curious to see the reception of this book and to see where it takes people on their journey. You know, at 51 years old, I've lived an incredible life, and I, you know, I really look forward to continuing this conversation and and to really expose this idea of living life in a more engaged way and living that way and talking about it and 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 being it in in the world and uh there's another book you know coming out i think uh it's you know working on the title like living in the miraculous um those are some of the things that are kind of be coming up for me but it's it's about it really is about it's about what does it look like to live from a place of self-love and compassion and you know express that out into the world to others and uh I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use my life as an experiment and report back to you shortly, there, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> well, great, Shashin, and thanks so much for spending this time with me. I really appreciate it. Great to be here. Thanks again, Tom. All right. Take care. Bye bye. That was uh, Shashin Shah. He is the uh, author of a new book called uh, The Kid and the King, and uh, it's a playbook to reveal the approach he has used one-on-one with top executives from companies like Tesla, Hewlett-Packard, IBM, and more. And uh, we're going to take a short break. If you're listening to us at WFOV 92.1 LPFM, Our Voices Radio, they are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my friend Paul Herring. We're going to let them squeeze a few words in or uh, do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. And um, let's see, what else do we have here? Um, I was going to play something here, but it's not queued up as I thought it was. Or is it? Uh, nope. Um, tell you what we are going to do, though, uh, coming up tomorrow on the show, we're going to have economist uh, Chris Douglas will uh, be joining me during the uh, first hour of the show. He's from the University of Michigan Flint. That'll be followed by two hours of commentary and analysis in our weekly roundtable because it's Wednesday. It's Armchair Politics Day. And we'll have our roundtable regulars, uh, Flint's premier political pundit Paul Rosicki on the left and longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter on the right. And they'll be joined by a uh, uh, former uh, National Security Advisor and Counsel to the U.S. Uh, Senate's Armed Services Committee turned author W.H. or Bill Weiscarver, and uh, he's become a, uh, a sponsor in the show by uh, contributing uh, 
proceeds from his book, Twilight of Empire. But uh, he's going to join the roundtable tomorrow. and should be uh, a very interesting one. So be sure and tune in. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back. Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. The Tom Sumner Program is made possible with support from Seth David Radwell, a recent guest on the program and author of American Schism, How the Two Enlightenments Hold a Secret to Healing Our Nation, released in July 2021. As Publishers Weekly writes in its recent glowing review of American Schism, business executive Radwell's epic debut examines the historical influences that have led to what he sees as the collapse of politics in the United States. Seth Radwell makes the case that the current chasm between the American right and left can be traced back to the 18th century's Age of Enlightenment and the basic tenets of liberty, equality, and reason. American Schism provides a historical perspective that can help bridge current day divides. American Schism by Seth David Radwell is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. For more information, go to AmericanSchismBook.com. 
MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. The uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
his head pulled my trigger now he's dead mama life had just begun but now I've gone and thrown it all away mama oh didn't mean to make you cry I'm not back again this time tomorrow Carry on, carry on As if nothing really matters Too late My time has come Sends shivers down my spine Body's aching all the time. Goodbye, everybody. I've got to go. Gotta leave you all behind. And face the truth. Mama. Oh. I don't want to die. I sometimes wish I'd... Never been born at all. I see a little silhouette of a man. Scaramouche, Scaramouche, will you do the fandango? Thunderbolt and lightning, very, very frightening me. Galileo, Galileo, Galileo. I'm just a poor boy, nobody loves me He's just a poor boy from a poor family He's buried beside from his monstrosity Easy come, easy go, will you let me go? Miss Mama, no, we will not let you go Let me go, Miss Mama, we will not let you go Mia, mia, let me go. Beelzebub has a devil put aside for me, for me. 
matters Anyone can see Nothing really matters Nothing really matters to me Wrapping up today's show with uh, our Schlocktober feature, William Shatner, 90 years old, and he's headed to space for real. And uh, a little hat tip to the news about that. And uh, a hat tip to all the guests on today's show, Shashin Shah, this last hour, talking about his book, The Kid and the King. And then uh, talking uh, with John Pavlovitz about his book, uh, If God is Love, Don't Be a Jerk. And then uh, Joseph Kasdan, author of uh, Totas, and uh, talking about uh, reality and how we perceive it. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about the economy with Chris Douglas. We're going to follow that up with Armchair Politics. Good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.